Welcome to season five of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey. Um, Today's episode is just me with you behind a mic. And we are going to talk all about how we're doing um, as military families and first responder families, um, specifically spouses, how you guys are doing um, in response to the Blue Star Families research that has just come out. In fact, as I'm recording this, it is February 26th and the Blue Star Family Survey report just came out today. So I decided it was a great day for me to talk about a couple of things. One is is what Blue Star Families has found in their research, um, but two, how we can do a little bit better of a job individually to have influence in our lives to change the things that need to be changed. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know back in season four, the very first podcast that I did was um, my reaction to my own survey that I put out where it was an anonymous survey of how uh, military and first responder spouses were really doing And I did um, a reaction to that. And um, I think that what's coming out in the Blue Star Families survey is similar to what I was finding back then, but they have some very specific data that I think is really useful for us to go over and talk about um, our reaction to that and how we maybe can feel validated by what they've found across the board for all of our families um, and then how we can react to that. So If you don't know about Blue Star Families, um, I've been following them for some time because when I was doing counseling with other military families, I really leaned on this research coming out every year because it was great for me to take into the counseling office and go, oh, you're not the only person that's struggling with spouse employment, let's say, or you're not the only person that's having trouble dealing with the chaotic stress of relocation. You know, this many percentage of military families struggle with it and say it's one of their top concerns. It just really helped me me fuel with good data what's going on in the culture. And that's really what it's for. There's all kinds of nonprofits. Even the DOD looks to Blue Star Families and their comprehensive report to decide on where to put money for programming, um, for family programming, for the DOD. Um, A lot of that is dependent on this research. And because people like you and I are willing to take the Blue Star Family Survey when it starts rolling out. So if you see it coming across your Facebook thread or in your email um, come, let's say, spring, definitely take this survey because it really does impact the kind of programming that we get and the kind of concerns that families have. So I thought it'd be a really great day for us to talk about what they have found and maybe how it applies in your life. But I also wanted to use it to address um, what I'm personally seeing in the spouse culture as I travel and speak. And so there's been a a couple of things that have been on my mind lately that I'm kind of testing out in my conversations. And I just think it'd be a really good day for us to talk about that. Um, And really, it all comes down to 
the kind of influence that you have to change your own circumstances, even though you live in a culture that feels like you have no control at all, right? So if that's not a good hook, I don't know what else is. So um, before I get into the Blue Star Families survey and what that says, because I know some of you guys are listening to this going, oh, I don't want to hear a bunch of data. And that's not what I'm going to do. I'm not going to go through the comprehensive report in a really boring way. I'm actually just going to point out a couple things that I'm seeing in there that I think would be valuable for you to know about. Um, But before we get into that, um, I wanted to talk with you about the title for today's episode, um, which has to do with being on the back burner. I'm sure you've heard that phrase before. We tend to say things like, you know, the military, the mission comes first. I'm just going to put myself on the back burner for now. Or, um, you know, it's just not the right season for me. Um, I just need to put these things on the back burner, my career, my education, my whatever, right, goes on the back burner. We've heard that phrase before. So um, I recently went to an event where I had the opportunity and the honor to serve spouses. And I just really just try to say yes anytime I can to especially our special forces community, SWAT team couples, um, our special ops, any of these um, families who are going through kind of rapid tempo, high stress lifestyles. And and I think that they're they're there's a lot of stressors that are the same with a conventional military, but the fact that they're sometimes on a 72 hour turnaround for a possible deployment or a rapid deployment, or sometimes they go without knowing that they're leaving in you know a few hours, it's just a little bit different from those of us who are going to have a little bit of a notice, like a two, three month notice that a deployment's coming up. So I try to say yes whenever I can, when I have the opportunity to serve those families. So that's what I was doing last week where I had the opportunity to do a strength finder event for spouses. It's a great, great tool for helping you as spouses understand what you're good at, um, finding a sense of identity and purpose, but it also helps you understand how you're coping with these um, highly stressful experiences like a deployment. If you have the strength for, let's say, achieving um, or your, a lot of your strengths are in execution types of talents, then you're going to really busy yourself during a deployment and that works for you. But if there's somebody else that has a strength for, let's say empathy and harmony and adaptability, well, they're probably going to lean on a lot of their relationships and really circling the wagons with their kids during a deployment. And so it's okay that we're, you know, handling stressful things in different ways, depending on what our strengths are. So it's really good and important for you to know what your strengths are, whether you need it to cope or whether you're building a career. Either way, um, those strengths really drive you. So that's what I was doing with a spouses was doing a strength finder event. And I try to give time in events where I find that it's appropriate for spouses to decompress. So what I mean by decompress is like if you were to take a, sh- a Coke bottle and shake it up, um, obviously there's going to be a lot of pressure. And anytime a person is under a lot of pressure and stress, you're going to either implode or explode eventually, right? And so taking the opportunity to allow um, spouses in a group to take off your masks and just be real and just be present and to be honest and authentic to say, yeah, things have been really stressful lately, or yeah, I'm not really doing so well. Um, It doesn't mean we're going to stay stuck in that pit for a really long time, but it does release some of that pressure so that we leave feeling like, okay, I got some of that out. I found a couple of other people who are also going through the same thing. So I'm not alone and I don't need to feel bad for having a rough season. 
And so I love doing these decompression times because I'm all about, um, being authentic and letting us kind of like, you've heard me say in previous episodes, like sit in that pocket, right. But I'm not going to leave you there. We're not going to build a house in, in the negativity. We're going to then climb out of that and figure out what we do have control over and what we can do. So that's kind of like how we're going to do this episode today. We got to kind of sit in the pocket a little bit of what's stressful in order for us to figure out what we do have control over and then can change in our life. So here I was um, when we were talking about how the needs of the military often, you know, put us on the back burner, right? And that we feel very out of control over that. So it's, you know, everybody's saying the mission comes first, you know, and or this relocation or this season with small kids or, you know, then the military changes the schedule. And so it just keeps me on the back burner, keeps my career or any of those things that I really wanted to work towards on the back burner. And that makes sense, right? We can all understand and probably experience what that that feeling is like if you're a spouse um, feeling this way. And one of the spouses there, a lovely, lovely spouse, raised her hand and said, I kind of have a metaphor for this. And she presented this metaphor um, that I thought was very interesting. So I wanted to share it with you today. And it's really been on my mind. And I've been thinking a lot about this. It's really stuck in my mind. I'm actually um, talking about it with the spouses here at Leavenworth as well to kind of run it by them too and get their reaction to it. I'm very curious about people's reaction to this metaphor. So she said, um, well, you know, when you think about um, cooking with your burners, your stove burners, because that's really what we're talking about, right? We're going to, I'm on the back burner. We got to just put that on the back burner. She said, you know, when I'm cooking dinner, you know, whatever I'm putting on the back burner is still part of dinner. It's part of something I'm going to serve later, but it's the things that I really need to put on the back burner are things that need to cook low and slow and maybe simmer for a while while I'm stirring the thing that needs to cook faster on the fast, you know, forward burner. And so, you know, she said, when you think about it, um, it's fine to keep that on the back burner. You just got to make sure you stir it every now and then so it doesn't burn. So I thought I heard her say this and it wasn't that I disagreed with it. I kind of totally understood where she was coming from. Um, in fact, what she was basically saying is that that thing that's on the back burner does have value um, or I wouldn't serve it for dinner, right? If it's on the back burner and I'm going to stir it every now and then, I'm not going to leave it there forever. I have a, a purpose or an intention to serve it to my family for dinner. So eventually I'm going to take it off the stove and, and it's going to serve its purpose and it's going to have its value. So when she presented this metaphor, I stayed really quiet and I looked around the room to get the reaction of everybody else in the room. And what I noticed though, was everybody nodding their head in agreement um, like that this was a really great metaphor that they all understood and agreed with and that they were basically okay with staying on the back burner. And I thought about that, um, in that moment and thought about, you know, who, you know, I need to think about who it is that I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to a group of spouses who really don't get a lot of downtime. They don't get a lot of reintegration time. There's a lot of deployments and they could be short deployments, but they're very frequent. And so especially for this group, I could totally understand the needs of the military are going to come first most of the time, if not all the time. And so I'm on the back burner. So as long as I stir it every now and then, I'm going to be okay. So in that cultural context, I was like, that makes sense. I could totally understand where they're coming from. But something in my spirit really was bothered by 
by the fact that everybody was agreeing with the fact that they were okay to have themselves on the back burner. Because the problem here is that war is not ending. Deployments aren't ending. Um, there, It's been 20 years of us being in some kind of con- like world conflict. And so what I'm really seeing when I see them nod their heads at this metaphor, what I'm really seeing is everybody agreeing that the, their place of value is on the back burner. And something really bothered me about that because I really don't think that everybody needs to stay on the back burner. So I did challenge them on this metaphor on that particular day. I found value in what she was definitely trying to say, um, but I wanted to kind of move it past just where that um, metaphor had ended. And I said, okay, here's the problem that I have with that though, is that especially in marriage, um, it's not good for you to be on the back burner all the time. And especially when war is not ending, And our culture is not going to, the tempo is not going to slow down. It feels very unhealthy for us to stay on the back burner because it's going to be on the back burner forever or indefinitely in the way that we're using this metaphor. And how I see this impacting your marriages is that we often put ourselves on the back burner. Um, Our spouse, our service member, our first responder member, I call them the serving spouse, right, comes home. Let's say they come home exhausted from that deployment or being out in the field or from that shift. They come home. Maybe they crash because they're tired and understandably they need to sleep it off. And so they do. And so you put yourself on the back burner while they rest, which is out of the kindness of your heart and out of service to them, right? It was so nice for everybody to do that. And then, um, and then you take over whatever the responsibilities are, even though your spouse is home, putting yourself and your self-care on the back burner, then only for everything to start over all over again. So what happens is, is nobody ever takes themselves off the back burner. And additionally, in your marriage, what I hear from people all the time is I wish that when he came home, he would see that I'm as tired as I am and that he'd be willing to take me off the back burner and put me on the front burner instead and put me and prioritize me and maybe put himself on the back burner for a little bit so that I could have a turn. I cannot tell you how many spouses I talk to that say something like that. I wish he would just understand or get or notice what my needs are. I've even had spouses talk about how they've been sick with the flu and they've been in bed and their spouse can't wait for them to get out of bed um, and stop being sick so that they can have help with the kids, right? And so even then it's putting your health on the back burner for the sake of everybody else. Let me just ignore the fact that I'm sick and need to rest. And so my argue, that's kind of where it was coming from in my reaction to the metaphor, because the metaphor itself was basically harmless. It was basically saying, Hey, you know, there's a lot of things we don't have control over. The mission is always going to come first. We can't fight the system. So let's just accept things for what they are and know that we um, can be on the back burner and we just need to make sure we stir ourselves with some level of self-care every now and then. So this is where we get to that first episode that I did of this season when I talked about timing and tact and I brought up the topic of assertiveness. This is also something that I've been thinking about and um, talking about in my conversations with other people to kind of test out and see if what I'm seeing is really true. And that is that the spouse community really does struggle with a level of passivity that has been habitually trained in us over time. 
In other words, as the longer that you've been in this lifestyle, the more out of control you feel of your circumstances and the more helpless you feel to change anything. And so what usually happens most of the time is that we take a passive response and we sit back and we go, I have no power. I have no ability to change things. So I should just accept the fact that the mission will always come first. I will always be second. And in some cases, some of you are feeling that you, even in your marriage, you come second and that you just have to learn to be okay with that. Now, there are a few people out there that go to the other extreme and you don't become passive, you become more aggressive. But I think even then, especially within the military culture, um, you receive a lot of consequences for that level of aggression and that response. And so I think still over time, it's very likely that you get trained back into that passivity of don't rock the boat, don't cause any problems for you, for your spouse's job, for promotion, for whatever that is. And you're kind of wrestled back into that passive response. And so I'm definitely not saying that we should be aggressive. I'm not saying, because we talked about that in the first episode where we shouldn't slander, we shouldn't attack people's character that is aggressive and it's never productive and it's never going to get you anywhere unless you're aggressively pursuing advocacy in support of your health or something like that. And even then you're aggressively on pursuit. You're not aggressively attacking a person, right? But I think that the back burner metaphor is kind of leaning into this passivity. And I think that's what's bothering me about it is our response feels way extreme to just throw our hands up and go, well, I'm just on the back burner. And so is my career. So is my education. So are all those things that are important to me. So is my health. So is anything that sounds good to me, even reading a book for 20 minutes instead of saying no to my children, right? Like the, all those are this passive, just throw your hands up approach. And the reason why I'm concerned about this is that I am seeing spouses later in their years towards retirement starting to implode or explode because they've been so passive for so long, so helpless for so long that they then get to retirement and they think that they're crossing the finish line only to des- to decide maybe by then it's time for them to have a job, but then face the frustration that they don't feel like they have the education or the experience or they haven't been assertive along the way to take care of themselves enough to be prepared to go out and do those things that they want to do or get there and realize they still feel like they have to put themselves on the back burner then. So that's what I'm concerned about. So as I watch the spouses kind of really all agree that this is just what we have to do, we just have to throw our hands up and um, accept it for what it is, um, I challenged the metaphor just a little bit, um, hopefully in kindness, and hopefully everybody walked away from that event and understood why I was challenging it. But I said, I have a real problem with us being on the back burner because if we are saying that the back burner ingredients in that pot have value... Um, then we have to also agree that they have equal value to what's also cooking on the front burner. If it's all being served up for dinner, that means it's all valuable. And I think that we are confusing value and priorities. And this is a pretty big topic because, you know, if I find value in let's say the rice that's in the back burner and the chicken that's on the front burner, I need those two to go together and I need them both to be good. And I need to pay attention to both of them and I need to make sure that they're both cooked well. So I think what we're actually doing on the stove is we're basically saying one is 
taking priority right now over the other. I need to be more attentive to the chicken than the rice that needs to sit for 20 minutes without me messing with it for a little while. That is, um, they still have equal value, but I'm placing priority in my attention on the chicken right now. And so I think sometimes in our culture and in our marriages as well, we are confusing values with priority. So that when your spouse comes home and let's say crashes after a deployment and they collapse and they sleep and they take care of themselves, um, what they're doing is basically assertively asking for what they need to rest and recuperate. Um, But I think as spouses, you're experiencing it as um, he finds more value in what he needs than valuing me and what I need. When really it's just he's being assertive to ask for it, number one, or to make it happen and then placing priority on it. In the military, we have to prioritize the mission, right? And we all agree that that's understandable. And the first responder culture, when an emergency happens, we place priority on making sure that families and people are safe when you're responding to a call. That's prioritizing. But just because your spouse responds to that call and responds to the mission and values the mission and has to place priority on that mission doesn't mean that they have less value in you and on the family, that they can equally value the mission and equally value you. But sometimes we have to prioritize and one takes priority over the other. So priorities are going to change and priorities should change. They should be ever kind of changing. Um, Sometimes the mission is going to come first. Sometimes the shift change is going to come first. Sometimes having small children and attending to their needs is going to take priority over the date night that you wish that you could have taken. But hopefully those priorities change at some point. The shift ends, the deployment ends ends, your children get older and you reserve more date nights, the priorities shift. But we are confusing values with priorities and starting to get angry. I'm speaking to the spouses here, the support spouses here, um, those of you who are not the service member of first responder. And if you are a service member of first responder listening to this, then I hope that you can also apply this to maybe the way that you communicate to your spouse in the future. But I think that we are confusing priorities with values and we're beginning to believe that our spouse and the military doesn't value us because they're not placing priority on us. When I think they can value us and the mission at the same time, we're seeing the DOD and even um, within the army, especially we're seeing a lot of messaging coming out that there's a lot of value in families, that families and people need to come first in their arrangement and trying to also execute the mission. They're basically trying to communicate that there's value in both, but sometimes one takes priority over the other. They're trying to give permission to families to prioritize their families when they can, right? So you're seeing the shift of priorities, but that also needs to happen in our marriages. We need to, especially when there's conflict coming up and when there is, um, when it feels unbalanced in your marriage, that you can choose to believe that your spouse has the best intentions at heart and that they can both value you and value being a parent and a husband or a wife and also value their job at the same time. So here was my question that I posted to the room full of spouses about the back burner. 
If that is true that both are valuable, and if it is true that priorities change and probably need to always be changing, who is responsible for moving that pot off the back burner? If you are waiting for your spouse to be the one to just notice that that rice on the back burner is ready for a stir and it's time to take it off the back burner and move it to the table, if you're just waiting and not communicating it and just wishing that your spouse just noticed that you needed a good stir, (laughs) you are setting yourself up for disappointment because you're not communicating it assertively. You have to be the one to find enough value in yourself to say it's time to take myself off the back burner. And that if the if the military lifestyle, if we're not in a season that can prioritize you or, or prioritize the needs that you have, that it's okay for you to, in a healthy way that's not destructive to your spouse's job or destructive to your own life, to figure out the ways to put yourself on the front burner to do some of the things that you've been wanting to do or take care of yourself in some of the ways that you need to take care of yourself. Are you hearing something today that's really hitting home? Take your personal growth to the next level by joining the Life Giver Facebook group. Simply head over to the Facebook page, Corey Weathers slash Life Giver and join the group with other service couples for support and deeper discussions on each episode. Want even more? Subscribe to the Life Giver newsletter for practical tips from each episode and exclusive discounts on sessions with Corey. I had a great conversation this morning with a spouse who who was kind of feeling this way and was saying, you know, it's been seven years since I've worked and I really would like to go back to work. And that, that you can hear that. It kind of sounds like I've been on the back burner for a while. I've sacrificed a lot for my spouse and for the kids and for everything. And and I've even sacrificed my career. And I, I think I'd like to put myself on the front burner, but she was saying, but I don't know if I can jump into a job because of what it would cost me. And I can't do that if my husband's job is all over the place and the schedule's all over the place and it could sabotage the job. And so I had to to kind of present to her, okay, we don't have to work with extremes. It doesn't have to be an all or nothing. So taking the example of a career, you know, the answer to not having had a career for a long time and being on the back burner doesn't necessarily mean you jump into a job that you can't sustain, because that's still not being able to have good, healthy work-life balance. That there's very creative ways that you can enter into the workplace, even just part-time or going back to school part-time to develop the skills that you need to in the future have the job that you want to when life looks a little bit differently. But there's things that you can actively do right now that you do have control over. And that means maybe subbing here or there in the school if you want to go into education. It means getting a job to just be able to have something on the resume, even if it's part-time and who cares if it's Starbucks. I mean, I was telling somebody this morning, if I could like wave a wand and do any job that kind of just freed my mind from maybe all the thinking that I have to do all the time, I would go work at Panera and bake the bread in the middle of the night. I would go to the nursery and, and water the plants all day. Like that sounds lovely to me. And so we need to remember that we don't always have to be striving for something huge all the time, that sometimes there are seasons in your life that you can do something simply that still brings you a sense of purpose and feels like a, a um, an act of self-care that you intentionally decide to do for yourself. 
So in other words, instead of waiting for your spouse to say, hey, hun, I just realized that you haven't been able to go for a run for the last week. Would you like for me to take the kids for the next 30 minutes and let you go for a run? If you're just waiting for that to magically happen, that is you on the back burner and that rice is burning and you're going to blame that person. You're going to blame your spouse later for burning the rice. When you knew the whole time the rice was there and you could have stirred it and taken it off the back burner. I had another spouse that came up to me today that said, thank you so much for encouraging me to get a babysitter. She's a new mom to very small children. And she was waiting for her spouse to take care of the kids when he got home from work so that she could go take care of herself. Now she just picked up a babysitter once a week that comes during the day so that she can go have coffee by herself for like a couple of hours. She's taking herself off the back burner, doing those things for herself and not making it dependent on her spouse who might be unreliable with their schedule. That's a very good example of the power and influence that you have to find value in yourself to determine that you can put yourself as priority over something else and you can still value the mission at the same time. I'm basically trying to ask you guys to consider, number one, do you value who you are, what you have to offer, and the incredible influence that you have and that you can do the things that you need to do to take care of yourself, that you're worth that, that it's okay for you to do that for yourself. And if you need to ask your spouse and communicate to your spouse, your need for help on those things, that if you do it with kindness, that that goes so much further than being resentful and just being mad at them for not noticing it. It's interesting, right? Because of these stories that I hear of the serving spouse that comes home and, and takes care of themselves, collapses and takes care of themselves. You know, we're sitting there as spouses looking at them going, you know, how selfish of them, how, you know, this is what I hear from other spouses, how selfish of them that they would come home and rest when they're not seeing that I need the rest. Here's the thing. Your spouse is coming home and with assertiveness, determining what they need placing value in themselves as needing rest in order to do the job and communicating to you, whether it's non-verbally or verbally, hey, I need to go rest or I'm not going to be able to function tomorrow. And I think it's actually a matter of jealousy that we as spouses aren't asking for it. You've got to learn to be able to have enough um, self-worth to be able to ask for those things yourself, to be able to go, hey, hon, I know you worked a really rough day. Um, I know you're really tired. Um, Sometime tonight or maybe tomorrow night, if you have um, the bandwidth, it would be really helpful if you could give me 30 minutes to go for a run. It would just do all the wonders for me. Most of the time, your spouse um, really wants to get it right. Um, I keep falling back on... Shanti Feldhahn, um, who wrote this book and did this research on the happiest couples. She researched all the happiest couples. You've probably heard me talk about this before. And the number one thing she found of the happiest couples out there is that they believed that their spouse had their best interests, that they weren't trying to hurt them. They did not have malicious intent. 
So if we're going to choose to believe that and apply that to our lives, and that means we have to believe that your spouse wants you to be well, your spouse wants you to take care of yourself, your spouse wants to see you happy, but you have to have enough self-worth to ask for the things that you need to bring happiness and joy into your life. So we need to be careful to not swing the pendulum. And some of you are so far on the level of resentment and frustration and putting yourself on the back burner for so long that you're burning. And now out of resentment, we're swinging the pendulum to the other side and demanding in an aggressive way, in an attacking way in our marriage, um, that it's my turn. Things need to revolve around me or however that looks coming out from you from an imploding or an exploding perspective, because we haven't placed priority and value on ourselves. So it's going to look different for each of you, depending on the season of life that you're in, the resources that you have around you. But I guarantee you that there's definitely resources available to you. You just have to look out there and find them and ask around and see what you need. So if that is you need self-care physically, then it means maybe not counting on your spouse to give you that time to go for a run, but that you get that babysitter or that you decide that it's okay for your children to be in childcare so that you can get that two hours of sanity in, that you're working towards that goal for yourself because you want to reach the goal and you're valuable enough to have a goal that you've reached. Or maybe it has something to do with your education. And it doesn't mean that you jump full time into a job or into a, a career path path or even a graduate degree or an undergraduate degree that you can't also be on call in case the mission comes first. But you can maybe take a class at a time and you can be able to start taking those steps towards a goal that you have for your career that feels really good to you, that gives you a sense of purpose and belonging and fulfillment, and that that's okay for you to pursue doing that for yourself. And if it is something that you need in your marriage, then it's learning how to communicate that Um, In an assertive way that says, I have a a right to ask for this behavior to change, or I have a right to have an opinion that I'm unhappy and I want to be happier and I need your help to um, do the things or be able to have access to the things that I need in my life to be happier. So I really want to be careful with this message because I definitely don't want like a massive protest of spouses suddenly demanding all these things in their life. But if you're in a place where you need to start making some small changes to take yourself off the back burner. Um, I hope that you're you're willing to do that. And honestly, I hope that you're willing to do a whole lot more than just stir things every now and then. I think that's part of what bothered me. It was two things. One, stirring something every now and then is kind of a, an afterthought or a second thought or... Um, or an occasional thought. And I think that self-care is a daily thought. It's daily asking yourself, what do I need today? If the mission came first today, if the job shift came first today, and I'm not going to see my spouse at all, and I'm not going to have their help at all today, what do I need today to get through today feeling like I wasn't just a robot and I didn't just exist for everybody else, but that I actually did something that brought me joy and then do that. One exercise that really helped me recently um, when I was really stressed one day was I asked myself, um, if I had a day of nothing on my plate, no, nobody to be responsible for, no tasks to do, no to-do list, if my day literally had nothing, what would I do? Now, the first thought that comes through my head is I would do nothing, right? And that's probably what a lot of you would say. I would do nothing. Okay, so then I want you to think past that. After you did nothing, what would you do with your day? 
And then what I found is when I ask spouses this, they give one answer. They say nothing usually. And then the next thing they go is I'd, I'd maybe go get my nails done or I'd go um, for a run or something like that. There'd be the one thing. But I'm finding that spouses are having a hard time thinking past the one thing. So let's say you do go get your nails done. What's the next thing you would do? Awesome. What's the thing you would do after that? Awesome. What's the thing that you would do after that? And I think that what you would find is a list of things that bring you joy. I had a spouse. I asked this question to her. What would you do if you had nothing to do for the day after you did nothing? She said, I would bake. I forgot how much I love to bake. Awesome. I said, what would you do after you baked? She said, I would get together with my best friend and bake some more because we both love to bake. Amazing. I said, now you're involving community and you're still baking. Is this a sign? Is this a theme? Because when I asked her what brings you joy, she said, I don't know. When really, once we talked through this, we realized baking and baking with others brings her joy, right? So if you're stuck and you're not really sure what to do to take yourself off the burner and what you need right now, maybe ask yourself those questions. If you had nothing to do today with nobody um, at your ankles and no to do list and nobody was waiting on you for something and you didn't have to do anything in the house and no bills to pay, if there was literally nothing for you to do, what would you do? And for me, my answer, which surprised me actually, because I'm an introvert, um, I think my husband thought that I would say I would just go off to the woods by myself somewhere and not be around any people. When actually my answer was that I would probably have a, a, I would go and have lunch with my kids at school, which is really hard for me to do because they're now teenagers and they don't want me to have lunch in school with them, but it shows that I miss that. Right. And then the second thought that came to my mind is I would have a game night with them. And so what I realized was, yes, although I'm an introvert and I need to replenish time by myself, what I actually really want and what I was have been missing recently was good, solid quality time with the people that I love the most. And that that's what I needed to do to take myself off the back burner, to take a lot of the responsibilities off my plate and make sure that I'm having good quality time with people that I love because it brings me joy. So try that, see if it helps at all. Um, but I really hope that this metaphor kind of helped you think about not only where, where you are on the burners, right? But are you intentionally doing something for yourself and finding value in yourself enough to do some of these things that you actually have influence in instead of waiting for other people to do it for you? We could have a whole other discussion about the fact that this war doesn't end, right? And that everything is cooking endlessly and you never get out of the kitchen, right? That's a whole other expansion of this metaphor that I think is interesting, but also important for you to remember, because if you're just waiting for things to slow down, down and they won't or they don't, you're really, really going to find yourself in need later. So that is the back burner. But I also wanted to talk with you about the Blue Star Family Survey research that came out because I think it applies to what we're talking about today. Some of the research that came out was not surprising. Um, we know that spouse employment continues to be a big issue. Of the top five issues for active duty military spouses um, was financial issues, um, worried about finances, which probably stems from employment. There's a lot of um, families out there that need to have two incomes in order to um you know, pay for the house that you need to be in. I, I know that I just again was talking with somebody this morning about how 
they're relocating to another area where all the rent prices and even to purchase homes are just insanely expensive. And so for a lot of families, there's a lot of pressure to have two incomes, even though you have that BAH coming in. So financial, and I know in the first responder world, finances is huge. Um, relocation, understandably a big issue. That's probably one of mine. Uh, not probably, you guys know it's mine. Um, isolation from family and friends, also a big stressor. We're seeing loneliness, especially with so many people working from behind their computer monitors. Isolation and loneliness is a big issue now more than ever. Um, we also income was coming in there as far as the dual incomes deployments was a big issue for veteran spouses. Um, some things came, a different one came up as far as separation, but Equally, financial issues, um, relocation, still a stressor for veteran couples. So what I have seen in the veteran community is actually in that time of transition, I'm seeing a lot of spouses who are getting to, let's say, that finish line of retirement only to realize that they now's their chance to work or they feel like they need to be the breadwinner while their spouse takes some time off or figures out what to do. And then they have all of that stress of I haven't worked for so long or built my career. And now they really feel like they're starting from scratch. And that's causing a lot of resentment and stress for our veteran spouses. Um, so that's something for you guys to think about. And that's um, what I'm seeing in the survey research coming up Um as well. It's not surprising to me that that is definitely a top issue. Um, okay. So a couple of the things that I wanted to point out other than employment, kids continue to be a huge stressor for families, um, in that they are finding, um, themselves really worried about their kids, worried about the education that their kids are getting and whether or not, um, they're getting the right support and the right level of education. So that's a big issue. Childcare is another big issue. We're seeing that here at Leavenworth. We had a whole two months where the CYS um, buildings closed and it just has really done a number on our families here on post because especially in the middle of winter in Kansas, when people need to get out of their homes, it's hard to have doctor's appointments. It's hard to do much of anything. Um, talk about putting yourself on the back burner. If you don't have the childcare, you've got to be really creative creative to take care of yourself if childcare is not even available. So one of the things that I wanted to point out that really stood out to me, understandably, because this is my um, kind of wheelhouse, is the mental health side of things. And so and so what we're seeing, actually, is at least in this year's comprehensive report, is that veteran spouses and military spouses have contemplated attempting suicide. That's 4%. 4% is a huge number for the number of veteran spouses we have in military spouses. Um, that's significant. Veteran Veterans, they actually had at 9% um, and veteran spouses at 4% um, and not surprised by those numbers either. Very, very sad. So when you think about, you know, 1.1 million military spouses or military families um, would be even more than that. And then you add to that all of our veteran families, 4%, 6%. These are big, big numbers. And um, these are all people who had contemplated or even um, attempted suicide. So um, that we are starting to track these numbers in especially the spouse community. We've been we've been tracking these numbers in the veteran space for a while. We were hearing, you know, 22 a day um, in the veteran um, space, which is 
so, so many. Um, and we're now seeing those numbers being tracked in the spouse space. And so when you think about all these issues that are coming up, the loneliness, the frustration, the lack of stability, um, the lack of purpose and identity and being able to have a career or continue a career, these are real issues. And so you know me, hopefully by now, that my passion is we've got to work better together. We also have to ask for help when we need it. And of course, what today's episode is on is being able to be the help for yourself that you need. And so I really don't want to see these numbers get bigger, and I don't really want to see these numbers at all. And so that's why this, you know, understanding the dynamic of putting ourselves on the back burner and never taking care of ourselves is such a significant issue. So if we can do do a better job of assertively asking for what we need or doing some things for ourselves to get the help that we need, maybe without being dependent on someone else to do it for us. I think that we're going to make some a dent in some of these numbers. Um, the other numbers that I really wanted to point out, the last um, set of numbers that I wanted to point out was that of those who had seriously considered suicide or attempted suicide, there was, let's see, 29% had received professional help who had gone and asked for professional help and said that it was helpful. So 29%. So I'm really excited that some people went and got help. Um, but 29% finding it helpful is not a good number. That's a minority. That says that people who are going for help are not really satisfied with the help that they got. In fact, 19% said that it was not helpful at all. So that makes me really, really sad. And being a clinician myself and being so passionate about being able to find clinicians that are culturally competent, I have to believe some of that was because they went to clinicians that um, were not culturally competent or did not establish good rapport in the beginning. And I just hear stories of that all the time. And that's why I've been so passionate about the Life Giver Clinician Directory, because I can't promise that every counselor that you go to on the directory is going to be vetted in a perfect match for you. But if we can at least start with finding those clinicians that are culturally competent, meaning they have a background of understanding the lifestyle already. So they're military spouses, they're veterans, they're first responder spouses, chaplains, or civilians that are passionate about serving our community, meaning they have the education and maybe even some um, experience. At least you have, to, you have to have like three years of experience to get on the Life Giver directory of working with um, the service community. Uh, at least it's a, a beginning start of finding those clinicians um, that hopefully you'll walk into and find them helpful. At least you'll be able to start building that relationship with them. Last season, I did an episode on getting counseling and I explained that counseling is like dating. You kind of have to go to a couple sessions. You have to start that relationship. And if something is not going the way that you'd like for it to go, or if you need your counselor to go a different direction, then by all means, ask them to go a different direction. I tell all of my clients, if I'm taking you in a direction that you don't want to go, then challenge me on that. Say, you know, I'm not really sure I want to go in the direction that we're going, or can we try something different. And there's going to be sometimes I'm going to push back and say, here's the, actually the reason why I'm taking you down this path because I have a plan or this is what I think we're going to accomplish, or maybe you're avoiding things. And if you don't ask, I may not say that to you initially. Um, but most of the time it's going to be a conversation just like in a healthy marriage when you have those conversations and then you adjust course and you just needed to bring it all out into the open. 
Finally, the last number um, was that 44% didn't seek help at all. And I guess I'm not surprised by this number because we still have a stigma attached to getting help. There's a lot of people that are nervous about getting help or feel that it could um, interrupt their career or hurt their career. Um, I even had somebody even yesterday um, ask me if getting um, counseling, especially to use their benefits, would impact their clearance. So these are all real fears. The stigma is very real. However, um, I think that whether you go to counseling or not, and I know that these numbers are really reflecting those who are really in a in a very dangerous spot of wanting to end it all. And so I know that that doesn't necessarily cover everybody um, because there's a lot of you out there that are just going through a difficult time. And so if you are in a place right now where you feel like the only answer is to end it all. I'm going to ask you to go to a counselor, call 911, especially if you, that's an emergency, right? But make an appointment. And when you call somebody, let them know, Hey, I'm really, really struggling. I'd like to see you as soon as possible. Um, be assertive. If you need to be assertive, advocate for yourself. That's what this whole episode is about is you deciding that you can advocate for yourself, whether it's just that you need to get outside and go for a run and you need help to do that, whether it's from your spouse or getting a babysitter or a friend to help you, or whether that's going to a counselor and saying, um, I really want to talk about some tough things or calling a new counselor and saying, I really want to get in as soon as possible. It's not an emergency, but I need to advocate for myself. And so I need to see someone as soon as possible. Don't be afraid to advocate for yourself and don't be afraid to ask for things to be a little bit different. If you're not enjoying your counseling, um, if you're not enjoying the direction that your counselor is going, ask to go in a different direction. It's okay for you to communicate when you need to adjust course. Um, in the first episode in Timing and Tact, you remember I said assertiveness is the ability for you to ask um, for behavior to change. You can't control someone else's behavior changing but you definitely have the right to ask for it. So um, communicate it, communicate it in kindness. That's your responsibility. But more than anything else, I hope you hear today that is okay for you to take yourself off the back burner in a way that's beneficial to you and um, beneficial to those around you. Um, I think the biggest thing I want you to ask yourself is, is it worth you being in a miserable place for the next several months? Or could you take that risk to trust somebody to get the right information. You need to feel more comfortable so that you can start taking care of yourself. You are not a God. You are not able to do all things for all people and be all things to all people. It's okay for you to advocate for yourself and take yourself off the back burner. As always, communicate in love and kindness. Be nice to those around you. There's a difference between assertiveness and aggressiveness. And I hope that you heard today something that was encouraging and that it will somehow breathe life into your circumstances, hopefully into your marriage as well. So until next time, thanks so much for listening and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org. Yeah,